What's up? Episode 13. Lucky number, some would say. Or unlucky number. This is also the Thanksgiving episode. The Thanksgiving episode. You know, I got, I got a couple of things I want to talk about, but because we're starting on the topic of Thanksgiving, I need to know, what are you thankful for? Everything. Everything? I mean, yes, a Braves championship, obviously. Oh, yes, yes. Getting to see the Cowboys get slaughtered by the Broncos, you know, that you're probably thankful for Most that Most importantly, well. the Astros not winning. Is that even more important than the Braves winning? Yeah. Because I, I actually, I, I do have a follow-up question to that. Because if you remember, you know, we, we came on that Wednesday we, when we recorded that one that was right after this, the World Series. And oh, yeah, I asked after, you, yeah. I asked you when you would be capable of having a bad day. Have you um, since then had a bad day? It's been what, three weeks? Yep. No, I don't think so. It's been three weeks, four episodes, including this one. It's probably possible, but it hasn't happened yet. So so what you're saying is you could go the whole month of November without having a bad day? Probably, yeah. Wow. And now I get like the four-day weekend, so mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm riding high right now. That's awesome. Good for you, man. Riding high but yeah the astros losing you know the country came together for a good cause it reminded me honestly of when the mavs faced the heat in the finals yeah where it was just like everyone even people who didn't watch basketball everyone wanted the mavs to win but everyone (laughs) thought the heat would right it was kind of the same thing here it was like everyone wanted the braves to win but going into the series like everyone kind of thought the astros were going to win yeah and i i i said it i don't know if i said it on here but in the NLCS, I said whoever wins the National League, for, to me, was the favorite because of the pitching. Yeah. And well, especially when McCullers went down. Yes, but even before that, because he was obviously the number one, but the other teams had number ones. Yeah. It was, it was the twos and the threes and the bullpens who were riding high on the on the National League, I thought. so. But, yeah, it's like the heat. It was like those maps that they did with the Astros or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole state of maybe just Dallas, maybe the top half of Texas was Mavericks. And then you had the little dot in Miami. And then everybody else was just not Miami. Yes. Yes. <laughs> not necessarily Dallas, but not Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were rooting for the Mavs yes. only because they were rooting against the Heat. Right. Yes. Not necessarily Mavs fans, but Heat haters. The Heat haters. Yeah. That's how the Astros were. Yeah. Did you see uh, Scooter Jeanette's posted something on social media who was saying you know hey like major league there's something wrong in major league baseball we're about to give a cheater over 300 million dollars i hope that he spends most of that money you know giving that to the players whose careers he ruined mm-hmm. and it's like the pitchers <laughs> yeah on the other side of course you can make the case i guess with peds because uh what well, melky cabrera got a pretty he didn't get 300 million but he got a nice little three or four year deal when he mm-hmm. got caught and Nelson Cruz, he served his suspension, but then, you know, he's still in the league. Dude, that's a dude who just won't go away. But speak, speaking of the Rays, though, you see that Wander Franco deal? Yeah. I think that's a great deal for both sides, it, honestly. It very well could be. I mean, I don't think he'll fall off a cliff, so it should be good value for 12 years, $200 million. Yeah, so it should be very good. It is 11 for 183, 11. and then there's, there's a 12th year option which like incentives whatever including the 12th year option the total max value could be 223 is it a team or player it's a team option oh yeah okay yeah that's a pretty massive deal for tampa to make because they never make deals like that 
I think that they although it is their own well and I think that they do make deals like that I mean they made an they made the Longoria deal I just think that there's so much more money in it now that that's just what the price is yeah in like in order to underpay somebody but still overpay for their pre-arbitration years like I just I feel like that's the deal but I mean hey good for Wander Franco man I mean he's gonna be a free agent he's only 20 he's gonna be a free agent when he's 33 yeah probably still with four years yeah but he's still probably I mean Obviously, you never know with injuries how someone's career can go, but baseball players, especially infielders, late into their career, I mean, we watched Adrian Beltre be an all-star at 39. Like, you know, if if he can be that type of player as he ages, I mean, he's still in for a huge payday in 12 years. Yeah, and that's becoming the trend where teams will try to sign him early to a long deal. Yeah. Where you don't you don't want to sign him when they're 27 to the big deal. Because because then you get all of their decline years, right. but you're still paying them for the prime production. The hole syndrome. Dude. Now you're getting ahead of it, and you get all the prime years. Yep. And if you want to trade him, it's tradable. Yep. You know, you can, it, you're versatile with that contract, assuming he doesn't fall off the face of the but earth. But it's also good for the player because now they're immediately making top dollar even yeah. before their arbitration years, because typically clubs have six, seven years of control on these yes. guys, and they're not really making a whole lot of money outside of the signing bonus when they got drafted or when they got signed. They're not really making a ton of money until their arbitration years, which is four or five years into the right. bigs. They're like 26. Yeah. And yeah. then, as you were saying, free agency in the late 20s. Yeah, and teams are more hesitant to sign to those massive deals. Yeah. But it's also just money in the bank. Like, it's guaranteed now. Like, he's got the money. Yep. You know, maybe he loses a little bit in the long term. Yeah, well, and I saw his teammate, Tyler Glass, now actually was talking about, it's like, hey, he can now just go out and play and have fun and just be himself. Right. He's like, set for life. He never has He's to good. He never has to worry about playing for that contract because right. he has it. Yep. And that can, that can become something that he might start worrying about when he's 30. I mean, just think about that. The dude was, he, like, he was in the minor leagues last year, mm-hmm. and he is now going to make nearly $200 million and only be worried about a contract in 11 years. Right. He's got a full decade to just play ball. That's. I mean, that is such a cool place to be. I'm happy for him. I'm also happy to see the Rays up in the budget a little bit. Yeah. There was, there was another stat that showed, and this is a team that has won the American League East in back-to-back years, but there was a stat that they showed that the 223 total possible million that they could pay him is almost the same as the like 231 million combined that they have spent on their entire team <laughs> over four years that's incredible that's incredible mm-hmm. wow it's just it's those types of things that puts it into perspective for you i mean and then you think like dak prescott with how his deal is structured he's making 75 million dollars this year this year mm-hmm. like it's it's just it's insane yeah this started with the uh the ronald acuna contract the Braves signed him when he was 21 to a 10-year, $124 million deal. This started with the Evan Longoria contract. You got to go back. Well, that was, what, six for 100? It was it was somewhere in the six to seven-year range. How old was he then? He was like 22, 23. Okay. Not as long, but yeah. But like that, that was the first deal I can remember where a team straight opted into saying, okay, we are going to pay you more than we have to for the next four years because you're worth it, right? And Longoria yeah. Longoria has said, I don't know if the deal worked out for me or not because, you know. I'll never know. You'll, yeah, you'll never know. But, hey, he had a resurgent year with the Giants, so he might be looking to make something 
coming but, up here. I actually don't know what his contract status is, if they have another year for him or what. That's a good strategy, though, for those teams that maybe don't want to spend. It, dude, it's a good strategy for everyone. Well, yeah, Anyb- but especially any- those teams. Anybody who has some teenager, like, I mean, think back to Mike Trout. Think where the Angels would be where instead of watching him win two MVPs before they signed him to a 13-year deal or a 12-year deal or whatever it is, mm-hmm. think about where the Angels were, would be financially if after his first incomplete full season, which was like 120 games, they were like, hey, dude, we think you're the future of this franchise. We want to keep you around. How's 10 for 175 sound? Right. You know, he'd be still playing that out for two more years in terms of an extension of 10 for 175. And then he'd be hitting free agency when he's 30. It's like, I, I just, I think it's good for both sides here. It is. Because the players are overcompensated in terms of what is required by the CBA, even though a player of that caliber is still undercompensated. Yeah. You really can't pay enough for an MVP. You can live off of $200 million. <laughs> I mean, dude, you, your family, your, 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 your kids' families, yeah. their kids' families, like, Man, you invest that money right, and it's perpetual. But I love it from the team standpoint because you take teams like the Rays and the Braves, they're not going to be paying for that 27-year-old free agent. Exactly. They just can't, and they won't because that's so much money. And then you take them into their late 30s. You get them now in their prime, so you sign them to these 10-year deals like the Braves and Rays have. Well, and it's it's not like we can sit here and just say that this, this deal is devoid of any risk, right? Because, I mean, we have seen players come into the big leagues, make a huge splash, and never live up to it. Right. I mean, Chris Davis comes to mind as a guy that broke into the bigs, was amazing. His rookie, like, his, like, three months that he was called up that first year with the Rangers was hitting, like, 270. He never even came close to 270 the rest of his career. And the only times that he was viable in years beyond that was when he was somewhere near 270, right? But Hitting bombs. But but that's the thing. is like, you can't say that especially for a team that has had such payroll restrictions like the Rays, to tie $223 possible million into one player over the next decade, this is a massive gamble. At least he had the hype coming up. It wasn't like a guy that maybe came out of nowhere. Right, was like a middle-of-the-pack prospect. And then just had a really good... Like like right. Rudnett Odor, with like what the Rangers tried to do with him. Right. The Rangers tried to get out in front of Odor, yeah. and that completely backfired. So like you, you can't just say that it's like oh this is brilliant on both sides i think you know good for wander franco i think good for the rays but mm-hmm. then again he's gonna have to earn that contract or else you're gonna see the rays trying to move him when he's 24 right. i mean if, if the league which will be fi- tough if he's not playing well exactly if the league figures him out they're in a tough they're in a yeah. tough spot and if he, he only can't played make that adjustment back, 70 something games exactly so. and he was terrible like the first week or two that he was in the bigs but he he just came alive after that it's like he it's like that's when he realized he belonged right um you the know pl- it, the players kind of hedging his bet yeah you know with this deal it's like i could probably get more down the line but why not take what's being offered but beyond that you're 20 years old You've got all the hype of you're new to the bigs. You know, you're making friends. You're seeing old friends yeah. that you, you'd met in the minors. And then all of a sudden, your first offseason comes and the team says, hey, we want to offer you $183 million guaranteed. How do you turn that down at 20? You don't. Because is especially because if you're smart, that's guaranteed money. He could He could Alex Smith his leg in spring training next year and never play again, never be the same player. He just made $183 million. 
I'm going to try to find it, but there's a, I'm trying to remember the guy, but some former player started a company. Um, oh man, I got to find this. He started a company where they will back uh, prospects. Like they'll kind of like pay their way or they'll give them X amount of money or something. Like while they're in the minors? Yes. And they're basically betting on them. They're like, hey, we'll give you, it depends on the player, but they might give them like $500,000. Okay. And say, but if you make it to the bigs and you sign a contract, we get X percentage. So this is, so, okay. So this is the exact same thing that the music industry does. When you sign to a record label, they basically loan you your contract. And then you're supposed to make it back in terms of, your your album sales, your tour sales, like your merch sales, right? And like so so if if that is true, where these guys I mean, is it just straight up like, hey, we're gonna give you five hundred grand? Yes, wait so you, you don't, don't have, you to, don't pay have back. to pay that back. No. But if you make the contract later on, we get a percentage of that. Boom. Okay, so I like that better. I like that a lot better. And they've they've come under some scrutiny about it, but it's like the player doesn't have to do it. Of course. But I think it's they were more um, scrutinized because of the player they were targeting. They're targeting that Latin American player because Fernando Tatis is on this list, which is weird to me because his dad played in the majors. But it was guys like him. He, he accepted a deal. Yes. Okay. Um, the the rookie from the White Sox that got in the back and forth with Larusa when he got hit. Robert? No. Uh, Yerman. Oh, Mercedes. Mercedes. Yes. Yeah, he was on the list. I think. Uh, let me see if I can find something on it. But yeah, uh, I remember Tatis was a big, big target for them. But yeah, so they just give them a free loan mm-hmm. on the hopes that they make it big. And of course, they have their like analytics on these guys and yeah. what they project them to be. I mean, the reason why there's a market for this particular type of activity is because minor league baseball players are borderline criminally underpaid. Yes. Like you make tacos and that extra bucket of baseballs like that's that's what you get for playing minor league baseball outside of your signing bonus and so like i i would be hard pressed to turn down if i was 19 18 years old and i was in double a and someone's like hey here's half a million dollars for free yeah you don't have to pay it back yep and if you make it big you obviously make more money than you are now yep here's half a mil and you know what if you get a contract for 20 million later you'll just give us seven hundred and fifty thousand. yep or whatever is agreed upon, right? Like in terms of the percentage return. I would be I'd find it really hard to turn that down if I was if I was 18, 19. It looks like Tatis was given 500 grand and will pay them 30 million dollars. In terms of how much he made? Yeah, based on the contract he got. Well, so that means that they can go after 60 more minor leaguers yeah. with that money. And their their mindset is, well, we just need to land one out of every so many. Yeah. Because the profit margin is there. Yeah. But it's it's interesting. I forget who the guy is that started, but he's a former player. Um, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know. And where I, his name I wouldn't is. even really call it predatory because that amount of money, especially when you're in that time of your life, that can that can sometimes be more impactful than after you are making the major league minimum for a year or two, and then you get the contract. Like five hundred grand is five hundred grand, mm-hmm. man. I mean, fifty grand changes a lot of lives let alone 500. So I, I wouldn't even really call it predatory. I just, I'm disappointed 
that the market exists for this. And that's, I mean, you're saying yeah. this is a former player. Like, he, he knows exactly the experience that these guys are going through. Michael Schwimmer. There you go. Who played in the minors for years. There you go. Made his, he made it to the majors, but yeah. he obviously lived that life of a minor league baseball player. Yeah. Which, yeah, like you said, is the root of the problem. Yep. But, yeah, it's interesting that that is out there for these players to take. Speaking of something new that's out there for players to take, did you, did you hear about the USFL? Uh, I did. They're eight-team league that's starting in April. It's it's spring football. I don't know. It, it's like it's run by Fox, isn't it? I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't read anything on it. I just saw that they had the eight teams, and they I think they were eight originals from way back when. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's April. There's no Dallas team. Correct. But there is a Houston team, I think. There's like Houston, New Orleans. I think there was like a Pittsburgh, Philly. Yeah. Um, Michigan. I don't know what city they're playing in, but they're like the Mich- the Michigan Panthers. Like that's the one that I keep seeing and hearing. USFL. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like Philly has a team. Yeah, these teams keep popping up, and the XFL is going to come back too. Is it really? Yeah. It's, oh, so they're going to have competition with each other then. I think. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be next year. So, yeah, they might be at the same time. And do we know if either of these leagues are going to operate as developmental leagues for the NFL? Like, intentionally? Uh, I'm sure. Or are, at the moment, try. at the moment, are they just college alternatives, but primarily just like the, the, the players who are too old to play in college, but not good enough for the NFL? Yes, they're like the practice squad up for the practice squad. <laughs> gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, I, I think the XFL was trying to do something like that where they could be some sort of minor league system, uh, before they shut down. But if they're in competition with each other, that might be more difficult. But yeah, I'm seeing eight teams, the Michigan Panthers, New Jersey Generals, Philadelphia Stars. Oh, we have another Stars. Uh, Pittsburgh Maulers, Birmingham Stallions, Houston Gamblers, New Orleans Breakers, and Tampa Bay Bandits. And the USFL has not been a thing since like 86. There was a big thing on that in the 80s because Trump, I think, owned a team or something. Yeah, 83 to 86. Hmm. So, be interesting, but probably won't work out. I'm more optimistic of the XFL because I think they actually have the money to withstand it because The Rock bought it. Okay. He bought it from uh, WWE. Yeah. When he stopped the the season last year because of COVID. So, I don't don't know who's running this. I don't know who's backing it with money, but... I'm pretty sure it's Fox. Because, like, Mike Pereira is, like, the head of officiating... And they're gonna is like, that like their TV partner? Uh, I I think like Fox owns it. Oh, like, okay. I don't I don't think it's a TV partnership. I oh Fox Sports Central Location. Okay, yeah, maybe Fox Sports has a big say in this. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I don't know where the games are going to be available. Fox Fox Sports One. Probably. Is Bally just like a different thing now? Like is, is yeah, it's not. They're not affiliated. It, yeah, I don't think so. So it would be Fox. Because like the same cable channel that was, you know, Fox Sports Southwest is now Bally Sports Southwest, yeah. and you're telling me that they don't have a relationship? I don't think so. That's so annoying. I don't. Although I did see, uh, maybe it was a rumor, but that Bally was struggling. It wouldn't surprise me because nobody has it because it's not available. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, people are cord cutting, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who XFL would 
get CBS, NBC. I don't, I don't know where they're going with that. Where, ESPN. where were the games televised? I don't remember. There's been like two or three leagues now that have popped up recently, and I forget yeah. who was on what. I, I forget. Maybe they were on Fox. Like I don't remember. <clears throat> who would Who would WWE be with? Do they have like a partnership? I have no idea. TNT. Don't they have a lot of pay per view stuff? Yeah, but I thought they had stuff that was like on TBS. Or, I don't remember. I don't know. I forget who's with who, but that's the big thing: is the TV deals. Who's going to show the games? Yeah, yeah we'll I think see. it's safe to say that Fox is going to be showing some of the USFL games. Yeah, for sure. Though, and there's only eight teams. There's only so many games. So I think they were they were saying ten game schedule. I think from yeah. what I saw. So you can only have four games a week. So if yeah. you do. Fox and FS1, you can do two on a Saturday, two on a Sunday, because I think that's kind of what the XFL did. Or maybe the Alliance League, whoever was playing, they would do like two games a day, mm-hmm. both days. So that way everybody got their own time slot type of deal. So they're not competing with each other. Right, you can show all the teams, all the games. Yeah. You know I mean? There's only so many games to show. So Yeah, there was something else I wanted to talk about before we got into Cowboys and a lot of the relevant sports news. I had a near miss driving home from work today. Near miss? I was stopping at a red light. Uh Uh-oh. And the car behind me didn't seem to see that the light had turned red. Uh And I wasn't really watching the car behind me. Yeah. I was actually looking off to my left because there was, you know, quite an interesting cloud formation. Anyway, doesn't matter. So you're like pulling up to the light it goes yellow so, so i so i stopped right because like i it was a slight corner you know you kind of come around the bend i see that the light's already yellow i just start breaking yeah lights red well before i get there i stop a few seconds go by and then all of a sudden i hear this screeching skid and i'm kind of looking around i'm like what was that so, and then i see in my rear view mirror i see the car behind me is just tilted like way forward and then kind of settles <laughs> And it, like I had that thought run through my mind of like I almost just got crushed yeah. at like fifty miles an hour by some idiot who wasn't paying attention, and it made me start going through past driving experiences where I barely avoided catastrophe. So wait, was it kind of it was like a slightly blind turn where like maybe there's a tree blocking the, lane, the light? The, la- the lane was not blind. The light was not blind in terms of like for almost a tenth of a mile okay but it could be one of those things like and i was actually noticing this is like the lights weren't synced today like they normally are Mm -hmm. and so like i i usually don't get stopped by that light yeah and so the person behind me must have just been assuming that they weren't going to get stopped by the light either thankfully they looked up at just the right time to stop in time because it was about the distance from me to you how close they got to my bumper maybe they were fidgeting with something hard to know but it made me think of other near misses in my life and i was wondering before i jump into mine i'm gonna ask you do you remember any near miss accidents on the road oh yeah and i think i've mentioned them on here um the three that come to mind was one time i was leaving I i mentioned this plano east guy just hauling down Parker at a red light that had been probably red for five to six seconds. Yeah. And I was like the fifth one in line turning left and people started to go and the guy braked so late. He was like almost out in the middle of the intersection. Yeah. And it was like that. It was just a screeching halt. Um, and then another, I don't know if I mentioned that on here, but 
the exit at Spring Creek and Legacy on 75 going south. Okay. You pass Legacy, go under the little bridge, and people will merge from Legacy and have to get over. All the way to get on the highway. Yes, like four lanes. Never again will I be in the right the most right lane before people start to merge on. Okay. I will be in the left lane because it gives people a little more time to see you and finagle yeah, their way you're over. You're kind of coming up the hill, like right as they're merging into the road. Right. And it's kind of blind when they're coming on because then you come up and you're all of a sudden right next to them. And yeah. they would, they are already thinking I got to get over as fast as I can. And so, yeah, one time this guy just started to slowly creep over and we are, side by side like yeah we probably could have like high-fived if somebody had been in the passenger seat and he was slowly coming over and it's just one of those things where you just notice it and i didn't like i didn't panic i didn't even my my blood pressure didn't even get going i just slowly turned the wheel left yeah and got over at the same rate he got over oh so you guys just kind of slid yes like it was the smoothest avoidance of all time nope i got a better one and because it was just a natural direction where I'm like looking at him and I just turned the wheel <laughs> and then I like sped up <laughs> to get in front of him just to get away. That's pretty funny. Oh man. So yeah, I've learned my lesson on that one. I will always be in the left lane <laughs> no matter what. The story that I wanted to tell, did you, uh, the house I lived in off of Lake Forest in McKinney, mm-hmm. were you ever there? Oh yeah. Okay. With the pool in the back. Oh yeah. We did some wiffle ball there. Yes, we did. Okay. 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 So behind the house the road just kind of curves just ever so slightly and there's that neighborhood on the opposite side of the street yeah and there's that neighborhood entrance that's like kind of like right behind my house just slightly off to the side or my old house i should say um and so it's as the road starts its big wind Mm -hmm. to the left there's that neighborhood entrance right there and then you keep going and then there's the other neighborhood entrance and Mm -hmm. it's the street that crosses through to both neighborhoods okay so that first neighborhood entrance I was driving, you know, it's a 40 mile an hour road. I was probably going 43 and I'm driving side by side, you know, not thinking much of it with, you know, this dude and his wife, they're in the car next to me. And, you know, we're just, we're just kind of cruising along on the neighborhood road right behind where I live. And this SUV is at the stop sign and they want to make a left across traffic coming out mm-hmm. of the neighborhood. And in, in front of where they're you guys just, are going? They're just sitting there like... As soon as they come into vision, they don't move. They're just sitting there. It's like she's reading the newspaper on her phone, checking emails. I don't know, right? Right Right when we get into the point where we could kill her, she just pulls out. (laughs) Dude, I'm I'm not kidding you. She just pulls out right in front of the dude. He and I both react simultaneously, swerve to the left. Now, was she going to turn going the opposite direction? Yes. She was was turning in front of us to go across, to go what would be south yeah so me and the dude we both swerve left so now i'm going 43 miles an hour directly at the trees in the media yeah isn't it only a two-lane road yes it's, <laughs> it's a two-lane road and but but it happened so perfectly that there's that big cement section in the middle that connects the road together because people are turning across yeah, right and there's so, turn lane so there. i swerve into that he swerves into my lane she slams on the brakes realizing what she's done and y'all both missed her. We both miss her. And he swerves back tight enough. And I swerve back tight enough that I get in before that curb. Yeah. Of the, of the, the median. Yeah. Nobody hit each other. No tires screeched. Nobody <laughs> slowed down. And we both, dude, 
<laughs> and nobody hit a curb. Oh, so only afterwards, right? Because as it's happening, I mean, it happens like within a second. Yeah. It's just like, whom, like, whom. It's like a three second reaction. Yeah. And, you know, everything happens. You're so like, I don't want to say calm in the moment, but as soon as the moment's done, dude, I could, I could barely breathe. Yeah. Like, I was like, like so much adrenaline just yeah. pumping. And yep. I remember like, you know, cause I was about to turn left into my neighborhood. It was like a quarter mile, 10th of a mile up the road. And I remember kind of making eye contact with the dude. And dude, this this is the most like boss G moment I've ever seen. Dude just looks at me and goes, Yeah. He just nods He's with like, this like this smirk on his face. I'm like, how can you smile right now? I almost just died. I almost impaled myself with a tree because this stupid woman. Especially him, because oh, he would have been closer to the car, right? Oh, he would have hit her. Yeah. And his wife was in the passenger seat. So she probably would have taken the brunt of the impact of that. Yeah. You know, like he was more likely to hit her. But yeah, T-boning someone at 44. Yeah. He just looks over and it's like, yeah, we did that. Yeah. And I'm looking at, (laughs) I'm looking at him, you know, and I'm sure that he saw more whites in my eyes than he's ever seen in anyone's because I just, oh man. Like I I remember I, you know, because I'm 30 seconds from my driveway at this point and I I pull into my driveway, you know, and I just, I park my car. I don't turn it off. And I just sat there for like 25 minutes before I calmed down. And I like my mom, who just happened to be home at the time, she heard me pull up and then she heard the car running like through the window because her computer was like right there. And so like she came out to like see if I was okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she's like, this is weird. Normally just comes inside. Man, I just. That's insane. Yeah. The double, the double avoidance. Oh, and it was, dude, synchronized swimmers couldn't have gotten a better grade. It was it was insane. And what about the East German judge? Mm, he doesn't like anybody, but he also hasn't been around since I've been alive, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> but I mean, it just almost getting rear-ended today. It brought back all those memories yeah. of just you know how lucky the close calls. Well, and and the calls that you don't even know about. And so, like for me, this isn't in a car, but I was in an airplane that caught fire when I was like three years old. The Jeez. there was a quote. This is how the captain said it to the cabin which my mom has told in story to me um there is a quote a uh, tremendous heat source coming from the rear section of the plane heat source yes and so my mom my, my brother my mom and i were in the back row of the airplane and my mom just very calmly turned to the stewardess who's sitting like you know right beside us because she's in the back too and my mom's like does that mean what i think it means and air she dryer just, <laughs> and the stewardess just doesn't say anything but just nods with like a really wide-eyed look yeah and my mom's like okay let's start packing up our toys <laughs> and we, we had to like emergency land somewhere you know There's they, they like, opened a runway there. for it yeah <laughs> so apparently you know the the rear fin or whatever that sticks up at the back of the plane was completely charred um and but this you know, is thankfully. why you were on the ground right no that we were in flight oh and we emergency landed i think it was an indy uh because we were on our way to uh detroit wow but you know it's just it's little things like that that it's like some some things you don't even know you don't even remember yeah but just so many near misses in life and it it ties back into you know what are you thankful for it's like man i'm thankful i'm here like i'm thankful that we get a chance to you know to do this and share these conversations with the world and thankful for my friendship with you and amber and your you know beautiful home up here just got to see her brother and his girlfriend like it's yeah. i mean just thankful for life man it's it's just a good time true up. getting back in the swing of things true up. but that was i just i had i had to tell that story tonight because I, I get emotional just thinking about it now yeah that'll get the blood pressure going 
I could never drive through that intersection the same. Yeah. yeah. Th- thankfully, I didn't live there too much longer after. You know, like I only had to do it a few times and then we moved, but... Yeah, that's crazy. Man, yeah, it was... That one was nuts. All right, let's get into some cowboys. Or in this week's case, chiefs. I think I've already brought more energy to this segment <laughs> than the Cowboys offense brought to the second half of that game against that, Kansas City. You could say the whole game if you wanted to. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a disaster on the offensive side. And I've been hearing a lot of people, you know, like who do we blame? Like Dak was terrible. It's like, yeah, sure. Dak didn't play well. The offensive line also didn't play very well, but mainly I'm upset with Kellen Moore. Like I thought, I thought, I thought that he was this brilliant offensive coordinator. It's like, oh, how great of an offensive coordinator are you if if you don't have your starting left tackle and you don't have your starting wide receiver, you can't come up with a game plan to beat a bottom five defense in the NFL. Yeah, that w- with with a quarterback who had the highest passer rating in the league, you still had you got Michael Gallup back, so you still had two starting receivers out there. For the first half, yes, you still have the the running back rotation. You still had Zach Martin, Lyle Collins. Like you still had you still had things to work with to to see that nothing came together. It seemed like they weren't they weren't in sync. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I liked so much about the beginning of the season is, you know, we we were even talking about the Cowboys were taking it two teams in the third quarter. They would come yep. out of the half. They had made the right adjustments, and they were just piling it on. Where's that been? Yeah, and that allows the defense to just go to work. Exactly, and and that was another thing I was going to mention. That might have been the second best performance the defense has had all season. It was very good, very good. They got better as the game went on, a well, lot better. And they kept the Cowboys in the game. Yeah. I mean, the, if you had told me before the game, before anything had happened, that the Cowboys were going to score nine points, I would have said they it was a four-score game. I would have said that they lost right. like... 30 to 9. Or on the other side, if you said the Chiefs only scored 19. You're thinking the Cowboys win. Yeah, they're double digit winner. Yeah. <laughs> 30 to 19 or something. Like to 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 feel like you've you wasted such a good defensive performance. I think I think that's what resonates here in the aftermath of the loss. It's just it's tough. I have a hard time putting on anybody. It just seemed like everybody was off. Nothing went right. Nobody had a good day. Dak was off first play of the game. Dak overthrows Gallup. Yep, I, wide yeah. open. Yep, you know it's not. Oh, dude, trust me, my fantasy matchup. Oh, I needed that. That was brutal. <laughs> I mean, and that that could ease you into the game a little bit. You know, like yeah, then things start just unraveling, and you kind of just start pressing. You know, the offensive line was terrible, like you said. The receivers have drops. Zeke does whatever he does to his knee mm-hmm. later in the Comes game. Comes up a little gimpy. Um, but yeah, so, and then CD gets concussed, right? Uh, so the first two drives, they had six plays Four of them were just terrible, you know? Okay. So you had the miss pass to Gallup. Yeah. Then you have third and two Noah Brown with the drop. Yes. That was massive. Uh, so you punt, then you give up a touchdown. They missed the extra point. Okay. So was, you- was I the only one surprised to see Noah Brown thrust into that instead of Cedric Wilson? I think a lot of people were, and I don't know why. Because they switched off a of Brown 
a, you know, a few drives into the game and you started seeing more Cedric Wilson. Right. Normally it's Wilson in there. He usually gets first dibs. Yeah. And so like, I just, I wonder if something had happened in a team meeting or at a practice that they just didn't like, or maybe they just liked his matchup better. Cause he's a little bit bigger. I don't, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. to be fair, he had position and the ball was delivered on time on location and he just dropped it. Yeah. That so. was, was a good throw, bad catch. So they punt touchdown chiefs come back. Second play of the drive after a negative one yard rush. That's not even the negative play. They throw the little screen out to Gallup. And I was watching. I was like, oh, that here comes a quick throw to Gallup because they have two guys out there. But one, I don't know if it was Matthew, whoever it was, was kind of in the slot. Like he was kind of off. So if you get it out there quick, you got a blocker on a blocker and you can get maybe half, half of your 11 there. And so he throws it out to, to Gallup. And Schultz just doesn't even... Just whiffs it. Yeah, bad block. Looks like Jarwin. Yeah, loss of three. Yep. Uh, so now you got a third and 14. Right, and so I'm like, man, that's a play that you can get six or seven on, and you lose three, Yep. sets up third and 14. I mean, you're, you're thinking six or seven, and that's without Gallup making a move right. and getting extra yards. Yeah, he might even get it. Like, who knows? Who knows what happens down the field, but at least now you're in third and manageable, probably. And now you're in third and 14... Of course, we didn't know at the time, but they were just going to, you know, sack Dak all day. Yeah. Uh, but I think this was the play where Steele didn't even turn to look, or he just got beat. Like, the snap came. I don't know. Maybe that was later. But Frank Clark sacks Dak, fumbles. Yeah. And now Kansas City's already, let's see, where do they get to? The 22-yard yeah, they're, line. Yeah, they're deep in field goal range. Right. And so they get the field goal, and now all of a sudden they're up two scores, and... Basically, five of your six plays have been negative. And then stop. The rest of the game, they allowed nine points. Right. Yeah, the first three drives were 16 points for the Chiefs. And then after that, it was just three. That's that's insane. So the defense, I mean, the defense stepped up, man. But yeah, the offense just looked off. Whoever it was, it was pretty much everybody, you know. It, how, was, it was somebody different on each play, it felt like. How rare, though, that the defense plays better than the offense in a game? For this team, yeah, rarely. I I do want to throw a little bit of you know the sky is not falling context in. Oh, for Ed, sure. Ed Werder had a fantastic tweet. I, I saw this where where he said specifically, uh, you know, like two Cowboys fans. If I had told you before the season that through ten games you'd be seven and three, and two of your three losses were on the road to Super Bowl finalists from last year, yeah. You'd say, oh, I'd take that any day. Yeah, in, in those games you were in yes. or could have been in. I mean, the Tampa Bay game, they had the lead inside the two-minute warning. Yeah, for and sure. the Kansas City game, if the offense is actually just half as good as it has been right. in eight of the nine previous games, they win that game. Yeah. Now, it's it's still encouraging, but yeah, you, you don't want to see it happen two out of three it weeks. It certainly does feel like, though, that this has been a massive loss of momentum and like specifically the Bronco game, like the, the Bronco game felt like a full stop. It's like, yes. whoa, we need to reevaluate our week to week, our day to day. Then they came back against the Falcons. and You're like, okay, that might be one of the greatest performances in regular season franchise history. So maybe they've, you know, you know, may, maybe they've gotten back to what they were doing in that six week winning streak, which was over seven weeks because of the bye. Right. Then you have a performance like that against the Chiefs, specifically offensively that it makes you question it's like 
if the two most important players on your team are Tyron Smith and Amari Cooper, at least your cap situation is appropriate because you're paying them a whole load of money. But you don't want to be that dependent on two players that aren't the quarterback. Because right. you would think having the quarterback... I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers go into Arizona without Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams and like six other offensive starters and won. So, I mean, you can't... Yeah, te- and the Cardinals are doing it without Murray. You, you can't tell me that it's it's all on the you know it, it's because of the injuries like yeah. at, at a certain point you got to be put in positions to succeed and then at a certain point you just have to execute yes and they did have opportunities to execute in the game you got to put the players in the right spots and then the players have to execute while in those spots yep and nothing just went right and i thought the game was over at halftime when, oh same when dak did the interception yep and why mccarthy did not call timeout was beyond me because I'm screaming like, call timeout, call timeout, because you got 35 seconds left when CD caught the first down, and you had two timeouts left. Yes. And I'm like, okay, you can burn one here, regroup, call two plays in the huddle, yep. go out and do it, and you save a timeout for a field goal if you need it. I, I don't hate the non-timeout call, oh, but, I hated it. but what I did dislike about it is it felt like they rushed a situation that they clearly didn't need to. Yes, because you snap the ball and then you just throw it deep anyway. And I'm like, well, you could have done that anyway. Well, but I, but I don't want to grade the decision based on the result, right? Was oh, like, well, I was screaming timeout. So I was already on the timeout train. And then when that happened, I'm like, oh, you see, dear and, Lord. You see, and I wasn't screaming timeout because you had so much momentum on that drive. It's like, hey, don't let them take a breath keep attacking go right after him like i appreciated the aggressiveness from that aspect i just felt like the value proposition of how much time was left how many timeouts you still had leaned in favor of taking a timeout at that point but i also think your guys might need a breath because the two plays before that were was a four-yard gain and a five-yard gain so while they're not getting huge yards you're still running out those receivers and routes then they have to haul ass back to the line yeah then you go back out then you come back to the line i just didn't like it and the ball was under thrown it was obviously a bad pass uh, well, yes I'm, and i'm not saying i loved the decision i just don't want to grade the decision based on the results of the play i don't feel like i am but the result obviously didn't help it. Of and then the results of the result was CD lamb gets a concussion yep. on that play. And I'm like, yep. Oh my God, everything about that play just got even worse. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that play happened specifically because so many times in the last three weeks, Dak has made that type of throw to that type of spot on the field, specifically down the right side of the field is where he seems to overthrow people. Okay. And yeah. I, I feel and like that's a that, spot where you got to overthrow. I feel, I feel like that, influenced Dak's confidence in making that throw in that moment. He tried to overcorrect it. Yes. And he he ended up overcorrecting. Yeah, you gotta throw it long and towards the sideline. But the irony, the great irony is that is the specific spot on the field that you do want to miss long. Yes. Because it's completely innocuous. Right. It's either it incomplete goes, it, or your yeah, guy gets it. It either goes out the back of the end zone or your guy makes an incredible play. And that's the type of guy who could make an incredible play. And CD kind of got hurt because he tried to make a play by stopping the interception. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, if he just lets him catch it. And then his head whiplash into the turf. Yeah, because he's behind the guy, so the guy lands on him. Which I heard he has practiced uh, before the Raiders game here, so maybe he's a go? I don't think so. I I would doubt it myself. There's no way. For a guy to clear concussion protocol in like three or four days is unheard of. 
like i, I would i would be shocked it's hard it's hard for a guy to clear it by a sunday game yeah i, I just don't see it do yeah. you think do you think i mean i guess we'll talk about this when we get to the games here in just a moment but do you think that the cowboys are in trouble this week too not really even though they'll be without I'm just going to assume they're without Lamb and Cooper. Uh, Cooper for sure. Um, but I don't think so because the Raiders are playing so bad. This is what we've talked about for the last month. Yeah. They rode the momentum of rallying for two weeks. Now that's gone. And then they're just, they fell off the cliff. They've had three terrible weeks where they lose to the Giants, which any loss to the Giants is bad. They lost by seven. Then they get run over by the Chiefs and run out of the building by the by the Bengals. I don't see it. Plus, it's a team that's not used to really playing on Thanksgiving necessarily. So there, I think there's always a factor there that like some of them might embrace it, like oh cool. But then some of them are like, why? Why did we get this game? You know what I mean? Like I'd rather be at home. You know, you still gotta anticipate the fly uh, back to Vegas. I don't know. Some of these guys just don't seem to want to be there sometimes because I went to a game. Okay, I went to Broncos. Giants in 2009. It was the third game of the of the day. Okay. Broncos weren't great. They were they were okay. They were okay. They had a good team. They were whatever. The Giants were kind of in between those two Super Bowl runs. The Giants wanted no business being there because they were the ones that had to travel. They fly to Denver, show up if you want to call it that, get run out of the building 26 to six, <laughs> fly back home. <laughs> they wanted no business of that game at all. It was the worst I think I've ever seen a team play in person. And I've seen the Falcons play this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, it was, you just caught them on the wrong week. Cause did you see them in Dallas? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, but yeah, I, just, I don't know if the Raiders will, will be there, you know, mentally they're doing what they normally do. And that's fall apart in the middle of the year. So. Well, well, let's go ahead and let's start talking about these spreads. And, you know, we can preview the games a little bit as we go along. Uh, and so we'll, we'll get more into the Cowboys Raiders here in just a moment. But we're going to start with the first Thanksgiving game of the day. Oh, yeah. We have the Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions. Wow. And I, I've been hearing some rumors that this could be Matt Nagy's last game as the Bears head coach. I think he's the next one out. I'm actually, if it hadn't been a short week, I think he might have been out. Before the game? Yeah, I think he might have been out after Sunday. <laughs> I don't remember who they lost to, but yeah, it's not it's not looking good for Chicago. They're, what, 3-7? and seven? Yes, 3-7. and seven. They are 4-6 and six against the spread. By the way, Oof. by the way, the Detroit Lions, 0-9-1, oh, 6-4 and, one, six and four against the spread. So who... Who is favored and by how much? I'll try. They lost to the Ravens and their backup quarterback. Bears at Lions. <sighs> Tim Boyle starting? <laughs> that we don't know. Uh, I'm assume so. Dan Campbell said that there's a 60% chance that it's 50 50. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is Yogi Berra? It's amazing. I loved it. I love that quote so much. I love it. So there's a 60% chance that it's 50 50. He went on to praise Goff for his toughness. Yeah. Um, I bet it's Boyle. Boyle it's, versus Dalton. It's probably. And yeah, it's a quarterback matchup that no one wants to hey, really Dalton see. Dalton played on Thanksgiving last year. Um, Dude finds a way. Give me the Bears by three. Well, you get to pick. It's Bears by three. <sighs> This is one I don't want to pick. I'll take the Bears. Okay. Oh, do I? Four yeah, yeah. Okay. Tim Boyle, yeah. 
Okay. I'm just going to assume Boyle's playing. Well, and especially with Nagy coaching for his job, you yeah. know, it, this is the type of game that the coach could be motivated to try and win by 20. Yeah. Give me give me the Bears. All right. Now we're going to talk about the game that we have prefaced already. We got the Las Vegas Raiders, 5-5 five five record, 4-6 and six against the spread. On the road in Dallas, seven and three record, eight and two against the spread. <laughs> and I, I'm with you. I think that at this point, it's not panic button time. No. I think if they had had a lackluster performance against the Falcons, and then also the performance that we saw against the Chiefs, and they had you know two out of three losses or three losses in a row, and a non very inspiring win since the bye, I think that it's like okay, you know, or since Dak came back, sorry, because. They played the Vikings on the backside of the bye. But, you know, I, I think that this this is more of a... Th- this game is more important to the Cowboys than it is the Raiders, I think, in in, t- in terms of, of the mentality. You you were talking about, you know, the Raiders not used to playing on Thanksgiving. This is, this is one of the game. biggest... This is one of the games every year that Dallas circles yeah. on the schedule. Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Is Zeke going to jump in another red kettle? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, this is this is Cowboy tradition. Yeah. Um, and Philly's kind of in the rearview mirror. Like you can't sleep on them just yet. So there needs to be a sense of urgency this week, and I think they'll take care of business. Give me the Cowboys at home by I like them by eight. You are on the Cowboys. They are seven and a half point <sighs> favorites at home. Man, okay. I'd rather be on the Cowboys. I think they'll take care of them. The Thursday night football. Thanksgiving evening game. You have the Buffalo Bills, six and four record, five, four, and one against the spread. On the road at the New Orleans Saints, coming off a tough loss to the Eagles. Five and five record, five and five against the spread. This is a team in Buffalo that That's they've been so hot and so cold at different times of the year. Yeah, their their panic meter should be higher than the Cowboys. Yes. Mainly because they're not winning the division. Right. Like newsflash, New England seven and four, year six and four. Yep. Have they played each other yet? Nope. All right. All right. I'm looking forward to those games. Yeah. Um man, that's an interesting one. At New Orleans, my boy Trevor Simeon, always rooting for him. Although I don't think he's Did playing you see the contract well. extension that Taysom Hill just got? Yeah, it's very weird because it's like contingent on what position he's playing. Yes. It's 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 like a four year extension for like forty five million. That's right. like the base. Like that's that's what he's gonna make. Yeah. But if he becomes the team's starting quarterback for the next three or four years, then he can make up to ninety five million. I just I fail to see how do they justify that? Does he have to like start ten plus games every year? At quarterback? I I just fail to see how a quarterback who has lost the job to Jameis Winston and Trevor Simeon is worth twenty six million twenty four million dollars a year. Well, he's not going to play quarterback. But if he does, I he mean, won't. like, just think about the language of the contract. He won't. He's terrible. <laughs> that and that—that's what I'm saying. Is like he. This is a player. I think they did it just to like appease him. Like, oh, well, you might start, but we still the, want you here another role. This is a player who does not have any singular skill set that is good enough to have him on the field consistently. That's why he's always he doesn't around. have one. Maybe pump block. He might be his best. They have one <laughs> of the three worst receiving cores in football. And this dude is not on the field consistently. And when he is on the field, he's not always playing receiver. I saw the best tweet ever. It was like, Taysom Hill is like the NFT of the world. 
<laughs> you don't really know what it is, but it keeps gaining money. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, dude, speaking of a few months ago, I just threw like a hundred bucks into cryptos, uh, just various cryptos. I'm yeah. just along for the ride. I told myself I'm not touching it until 2030. <laughs> Whatever happens, if a hundred bucks turns into three hundred thousand, yeah. or if a hundred bucks just completely dissolves, I'm just not touching it. I'm along for the ride. It's gonna oh, be fun. Man. Yeah, let's taste some hell. It's currently worth one hundred and forty. By the way, you just watch it and wonder what what the hell is going so on. So Buffalo Bills at New Orleans Saints. What is the betting line? The Bills will What's be favored on the road. Weird game. Are the Saints come here next week? Is that the next Thursday game? Is that the Saints? Do game? they come here? Or do we go there? I know whatever. It, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Cowboys Saints. I'm pretty sure it's in New Orleans. Okay, maybe it's there. But yeah, they play each other. Um, give me the Bills by four. You are on the Saints. It's Bills by six. Oh, six. Ooh. Yeah. E. I don't. I don't know which side I want. to So be that's on. three out of six games down. Next, we're going to talk about the Broncos game. Oh dear lord. The Los Angeles Chargers coming off one of the more interesting games to watch but one of the more disappointingly close games, like the Chargers had that game in the bag. Yeah. And they just, I mean, blocked punt. Was it fumble or interception? interception. I can't remember. Yeah, blocked punt, tip, interception. Tip yeah. Yeah. Oh, because it was Jared Cook, wasn't it? Uh, the Oh, that was intended for? Easily catchable, and it just popped out. I thought it was tip... Oh, I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking of a different drop pass that happened. It was Cam Sutton intercepted after like Cam Hayward tipped it. I think was the play. Okay, right, yeah, because it was bad at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I was thinking of another play where they had Jared Cook like in the flat, and yeah. he had 15 yards to run, and he just dropped it. And it's like, man, yeah, they had a 14 point lead and ended up being down three. And yeah, so so Los Angeles Chargers, uh, six and four record, four and six against the spread, at the Denver Broncos, 500 record. 500 against the spread. 5-5, five 5-5. Five, five five. Chargers are going to win this, but I think it's going to be sort of like how they played the Cowboys because the Cowboys won like 20-16 to 16 or something. I think they, it was 2017. 17. I think that's kind of what we're going to look at this week, but the Chargers win. So I guess give me the Chargers by three. Well, you are on the Chargers. It is Chargers by two and a half. All right. All right. It's a pretty good guess. I'm on point this Pretty close, week. pretty close. Sunday night football, which I believe was just flexed there. Was it? What is um, it? Oh, man, I can't remember. Because there's... there Originally, I think it was Vikings 49ers was the Sunday night game, and I think it got flexed out. And it was either the Rams Packers or the Browns Ravens got flexed in. I think it's Brown. What I'm looking at is telling me it's Browns Ravens. Browns Ravens. I don't know what the original would have been. I know they, I know they flexed out of next week's, but okay. I didn't hear anything about this week. Okay, so okay, so Cleveland Browns six and five record, five and six against the spread on the road at the seven and three Baltimore. Ra- the the very fortunate to be oh seven God. and three Baltimore Ravens, luckiest team ever, man. Four and six against the spread. Yeah, luckiest team ever. Tyler Huntley gets the win last week. Justin Tucker makes the greatest field goal of all time to win a game yeah. against the Detroit Lions. Dude, it's crazy. Some of the comebacks they've had this year. Yeah. Um, Lamar will, should be back. They're probably favored. Man, Cleveland's playing bad and Baker's hurt. Cleveland by six. Or sorry, not Cleveland. <laughs> Baltimore. I was about to say, uh, you are on the Ravens. It's Baltimore by three and a half. Mm, okay. A little bit. A little bit less than I thought. And now for what 
might actually be the least interesting matchup of the week. Ooh, ooh. Uh, it's Wait, Monday Night Football. Is it worse than our first game tomorrow? Actually, it's kind of close. <laughs> um, Jags, did the Jags finally get on Monday Night Football? No. no. Worse. Jets? Your favorite head coach of all time is on Monday Night Football. Oh, no. Washington? Yep. The oh. Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> oh, no. Are on the road. <laughs> My two least favorite head coaches. At the Washington football team. Oh. Three and seven Seahawks, five and five against the spread. Four and six oh. Washington, three and seven against the spread. God, Seattle is in some sort of way right now. They, oh my God. I mean, we were talking about this early in the season. Like after like a week or two, people were projecting all four NFC West teams were going to make the playoffs. <laughs> and and we came on here and we we're like, pretty sure Seattle's overrated. Pretty sure San Francisco's overrated. Yeah. One of the two teams has established themselves as being in the race. The Seahawks have certainly not. No. Even before Russ got hurt, they so, weren't playing well. So it's not too late because we do have a 17-game schedule now. They could still get to 10 wins. If they win out, they go 10-7. and seven. I just, yeah, I, I, nah. I certainly don't see them doing that. Definitely not. I mean, in Washington, Washington's 4-6, and six, which... Hey, big win against Tampa Bay. Especially with some of the speculation that an 8- or 9-win team can make the playoffs in the NFC. This is a team that is still alive. Yeah, I just don't like them very much. Oh, I don't uh, either. But they've won two in a row. So they got Tampa Bay and Carolina in the win column. So they were two and six. Uh man. It's at Seattle? Nope. Oh, it's at Washington? Yep. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Man, Washington might actually be favored in this game just because of that. Washington by one. You get to pick. Oh, my God. No way. <laughs> Are you serious? Yep. Washington football team. Oh, my God. As of 8 p.m. Wednesday, November 24th, our one-point favorites at home wow. against Seattle on Monday Night Football. How did I get that right? Only because they were at home did I get that right. Yep. Otherwise, wow. You have to pick. And so, Oh, dang it. I don't want to pick this one either. <laughs> it's basically pick. a pick em. I mean, hey, it is a one-point spread. It's not a half. So you could just stay with one. And hope for the and, tie. And you could take the push. <laughs> they win at like 17-16. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if Seattle scored 20 points in the last, I don't know, three seasons. This game, man, do you have the over-under right there? I do. Like, is it 40? Is it even at 40? It's actually 46 and a half. Which really? Seems, it seems pretty high for this matchup. I, I mean, I'd take the under on that all day. Um... I guess I'll go with Washington, man. I don't know. So you're going to take Washington to cover? Yeah, at least they're winning the last couple of weeks. Yeah, fair know. enough. Fair know. enough, fair enough. I mean, hey, they are hot. They are hot. They're as hot as Washington could be, which means they'll probably lose because what are the odds they went three in a row? <laughs> I mean, what were the odds that Seattle was three and seven through uh, 10 games? You know, you know. It's the NFL. Anything can sometimes happen. Sometimes it's not your year. I mean, we were we were talking about this. Uh, back when the Bengals were the one seed in the AFC. <laughs> remember when the Raiders were the one seed? I do remember that. <laughs> right? I mean, just think about the teams that have been atop the mountain. God, it's weird, man. And it's think about the teams. Year. Think about the teams that have been down and out. I mean, the Colts all of a sudden in the middle of the playoff picture in the AFC. Yep. I know. Washington could be one win away. If they win this game, they'll go five and six in their first 11. It feels that, like each week, everybody is capable of winning right now because it's been so weird the last two or three weeks. 
Like Detroit might get off the board or get on the board tomorrow on Thanksgiving of all days. They're one win. I really thought that last week was their best chance to win a game. I was so disappointed that Jared Goff didn't play. Yeah, they never had a chance after that. It just like and and they did have a chance, but yet they didn't have a chance. Yeah. Oh man. Rough. Rough go of it. But at least they got a tie a couple weeks ago. So they're trending. They they did go two weeks without losing. Yes. By week tie, lost by three. Maybe the Bears. Maybe the Bears can send Matt Nagy pack, or the Lions can send him packing. That would be fireable, right? If he loses tomorrow. Oh yeah, he's done. Oh, if 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 Matt Nagy loses to the Lions, I think he's fired before the post game press conference. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, I think he's I fired think, during the fourth quarter. <laughs> well, I I think that he's I think he's fired in the locker room after the game, oh, specifically be. because I think that the owner sends a message to the team, but also they get. They get that extra mini buy type of deal. Going back to a Sunday start then the following week. Yeah. So you get a little extra time to kind of prepare and get people where you they get need. the new coach situated. Yeah. Which is probably, it's usually a special teams coach. It's usually a guy that takes over, but yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow might be his last game. If they lose division game against the winless lines. Yeah. That's you're done. You were toast after that. That would be rough. I mean, hey, Jason Garrett just got the axe. Well, yeah. I can't Understandable. Say, I can't say I'm surprised. I did oh. hear a stat. I think it was from the Rich Eisen show, of all things. The The New York Giants accounted for <laughs> the fewest offensive touchdowns in the league since Jason Garrett was, when, when he was the offensive coordinator. No team in the NFL scored less touchdowns on offense than the Giants. Yeah, that makes Since sense. Since the start of 2020. Because somebody at the station today pulled out the stat that they've only scored 30 points once with Garrett With there. Garrett. And that game, they had a defensive touchdown. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that your touchdown stat makes but, I mean, sense I, with that. But yeah. even, even the Jets, even the Jaguars, teams that have been completely right. useless yep. for two years. That's crazy. Even the Lions... These are teams that have scored more offensive touchdowns since the start of 2020 than the New York Giants. And, I mean, hey, to be fair, starting running back gets hurt. He's probably the best player on your offense. Like, that does seriously limit what you're capable of doing offensively. And this year, all their wide receivers have been hurt either at the same time or multiple of them at but, the same But time. earlier tonight, I was saying, hey, like, I put, I pin a lot of the Chiefs' loss on Kellen Moore. Like, you, it's your job to figure out a way to get things to work yeah. to a passable level. The Cowboys failed to do that on Sunday. I look at Kellen Moore. Especially if you ever start quarterback. The Giants have failed to do that for the better part of two seasons. Yeah. And it's, Daniel Jones has made bad decisions at times and it's just it just hadn't fit. It's also weird that for like weeks stretches at a time, he's like one of the top five dual threat quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> right. And then you just you you just don't see him ever leaving the pocket for a month. He'll break off that 40-yard run, but then he had that run against the Cowboys where he didn't know where he was, so that might halt it a little bit. You yeah, know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. He's like, well, i got to stay out here because he knows his job is on the line. Well, and we were talking about even even just the confidence in yourself of, like, Dak against the Broncos his first game back. There were a couple of times we were thinking, oh, he could run for that first down easy, but he just might not trust the, the leg yet, the calf. And right. it, it could be similar with Daniel Jones. He just doesn't want to even chance contact since that injury, that's totally possible and worth mentioning. Because right now, the Giants have two of the top seven picks. 
in the draft. Interesting. And do the Dolphins have the other three? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. One of the, them. The, the Colts pick is going to be a, a, a middle of the round pick now. I'm seeing um, they traded one to Philly. I don't know. I thought they had Phillies. I can't remember. It says Miami to Philly. Hmm. Where are there other ones? And by the way, maybe that's next year. Is that next? No, I thought that was this year. Trade that I definitely want to talk about is the Cardinals fleecing the Eagles. What did they trade? A fifth or a sixth round pick to get Zach Ertz? Yeah, I mean, they weren't using him at all. So I guess you just take what you can get. Also, I mentioned this in a group chat that we're in, but who, who in their right mind looks at Dallas Goddard and thinks, oh, this guy's worth Cortland Sutton money? Or the like, Broncos thought he's worth Dallas Goddard money. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, yes, the Dallas Goddard contract happened first, and it is worth mentioning that. But it's a four-year, like fifty-nine point three or something million-dollar extension. The next day, Cortland Sutton, who's been the wide receiver one for years now for the Broncos, signs for four for sixty. It's like that is the worst contract the Eagles could have offered Dallas. Goddard. I mean, like. What, how, how do you, there might be two tight ends in the league worth, worth 15 million a year, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. And one of them can't stay healthy. So I can't even make the argument that he's worth 15 million a year. What, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, I think what happened is their receiving core has been so subpar for years now that there's just the, they ask the tight end to make plays that as soon as they get a decent receiving core, he's gonna be like he's gonna be in the same spot Zach Ertz was, where he's on you know that contract extension and he gets a couple years in and they just lose favor with him and they drafted someone else in the third round and then they start featuring that guy and it's like why did you ever pay this guy fifteen million a year? That seems like such a crap contract. Sorry, I had to, I had to get that off my chest. So I'm trying to look up the Dolphins transactions, and they seem backwards. Yeah, they should have the Eagles pick, right? Yeah. Was that the Jalen Waddle trade? Um, or did they trade up for Waddle? That's right, they did. So they they had the third pick, traded it to San Francisco, moved back to what ten, eleven, I don't, 15, I don't even know where they moved down to. Um. But then they use that to go back up to six to get Waddle. And Philly moved down to right after the Cowboys. Behind the Giants-Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, 12, whatever it was. Yeah. And then they took Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. So, yes, so the Eagles, I guess, technically have that pick for, for next year because they moved back up after moving down, which is really weird. But, yeah, so they have... They have the 49ers first round pick this year because of the Trey Lance thing. Yeah. And I think they also have their first round pick next year plus their own. But they also have like the Colts pick or something, don't they? I don't see anything on the Colts, at least not in the first round. Or what? I swear that there was one point early on in the season that the Dolphins had three of the top 10 picks. Or was it the Eagles? Did the Eagles have three of the top 10 picks? Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. Uh yeah, eight. Right now they're sitting at eight, eleven. Yeah, you're right. It is yeah. It 16. is the Eagles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right, because the Eagles were had like three top ten picks. Yeah. 
And now all of a sudden, all those three teams are winning at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> Philly, India, because they Miami. have they have the Colts' first round pick. Yes, through the Carson Wentz thing. Uh, How did they acquire that one? That's a great question. Um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that Carson Wentz was that like one a, was a one. contingent on play I think in terms of like how many snaps, snaps like percentage or, of team snaps yeah plays or something well I think it's safe to say that unless he gets hurt he's gonna hit that but I don't remember if it went all the way up to a one I, th- I thought it was I don't know if it went from a three to a two a three to a one I don't know some of those are really weird yeah uh, let's see Carson Wentz where you at Oh, Pickwood transfer because Wentz has played 75% of the snaps. So conditional third round. Wait, traded Carson Wentz to Colts for third round pick. 2022 conditional. If Wentz plays 75% of the snaps, it doesn't say what pick it is. So I guess it's first round because they have it listed in the first round. Yeah. So, wow, interesting. So, okay, yeah. So it went from a two to a one. And then what other pick do they have? The Dolphins pick? Yes. And then their own. Interesting. Which their own sits at 11. Sounds like me as a Madden GM. <laughs> Just get all the first round picks you can. Yep. I mean, why, seriously, why not? So, I mean, yeah, they have three, and I I think Miami's will still be pretty high. Their own and Indy is not looking as promising, but you know what? You still have picks, so... And if if you th- if you stick with Hurts, if you think Hurts is the guy, you can now... It doesn't really matter where you are, because you can get players at any position with those picks. So, yeah, the Eagles might actually have something brewing with these picks, at least this year. They don't really have anything invested in the future years. Interesting. Yeah, I totally forgot Miami moved down to move up, and it was, yeah, that was crazy last year. Uh, Okay, so I do have one more thing for you. And I didn't realize this until today. Well, partially, I didn't realize this till today. But today was when I had my surgery on my collarbone last year. Oh, it's been seriously? one year. That's it. Since I feel so long ago. Since I had surgery on it. Yeah, today was the surgery because it was the Tuesday before Thanksgiving last year. Wow. Okay. And so today's the Wednesday. Yeah. Well. I was looking through like Facebook timeline or whatever. It was sending me memories. It was also the same day I had my wisdom teeth removed like 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Like the only two times like I've had any sort of like surgery surgery done. You've gone under the knife. It was on the same exact day of the year. Interesting. And they were both on a Tuesday before the Thanksgiving. Uh Uh-oh. I remember that one. Oh, well, actually that one might have been a Wednesday. Okay, but you oh, know man. now, November 24th is just a problem day for you. It is. Or maybe it's a day where problems get solved. <laughs> it, it depends on what perspective yeah, you yeah. bring to it here. I've come, I come out the other side. <laughs> it's a, it's a But hey, both, both of those surgeries were successful. So if you do have like an option in the future and you have to have some sort of procedure done, you can ask if there are yeah. any dates around Thanksgiving that are available. Even if it's in March, I'm going to be like, and hey, can... I, need it in, I need it in November. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll wait. I'll wait eight months. I don't <laughs> even care. <laughs> I'll stay in bed. But yeah, I was like, wow, that was actually the same exact day. That's kind of crazy. It that, is. That's actually crazy. It, it was weird. And they were, they, you, you, did you say that they were 10 years apart? Uh, or nine years apart? Yeah, what? 10. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, yeah, it was November 2010. Okay, so hey, 
November twenty fourth of twenty thirty. What surgery? I'm 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 throwing this out there now. We yeah. can we can have a Twitter poll later. Who knows? What is Tyler gonna have surgery on on November twenty fourth of twenty thirty? Maybe it'll just get increasingly worse. I think you're gonna get a nose job. That's what I think. <laughs> that doesn't sound worse. <laughs> that's also optional. Well, not if you have some sort of catastrophic yeah, injury to your I break my canal, nose or something. Your nasal canal. Yeah, maybe. I feel like it's going to be a little bit worse. I feel like the collarbone's one of the least dangerous bones you could break because it doesn't even need surgery most of the time. Hmm. So maybe maybe something slightly. You're going to get lacing. If I get it, it'll be before then. I've actually thought about it. Have you? Yeah. But it's not the sort of thing that, like. I'll get it before I'm 40. I will that just means that your eyesight starts degenerating earlier. I'll. I'd. I'd well, Amber's dad works in the in the eye doctor business in the field. Yes, and okay, he says you know it's, I'm about that time where if I want to do it, it's probably a good time. Okay, so I might do it in the next couple of years. Well, ten. So like, I didn't actually intend for that to be correct. I was just throwing out <laughs> ideas. But if I do it, it'll be on November twenty fourth. You're gonna get that mysterious foot surgery that's got like these athletes out for the entire season that like list frank. list frank yeah yeah <laughs> you're gonna get that surgery oh that sounds terrible <laughs> i don't want it to be on my foot well, I'm not, I, I was thinking ankle but an- that would also sort of ankle surgery yeah like i don't know I, it, lower dude, if, lower leg if i get hurt honestly i want it to be upper body that's what that's how i feel i just i, I want to be able to move without thinking about having to move right at least and walking I, and i've been lucky so far outside of a couple of knee injuries that weren't you know, long-term serious, thankfully. But like, you know, I've broken my hand, you know, but but thankfully I haven't had like the throwing arm injury, mm-hmm. like the shoulder, the elbow that a lot of baseball players had, especially when they were young. You know, thankfully I dodged that. But I feel like I would want to have something lower than the neck above the hip. Preferably Just on some... the left side. Well, I am right-hand dominant, so yes. yeah. That's why I was pretty happy last year. With the left collarbone? Yeah, I was like, well, at least I can write. I wouldn't say you were happy. Well, no, but But, it's better than the right side. (laughs) Where I'm just like accidentally reaching for stuff or reacting or writing. I actually brought that up to my brother. I forget what context it was. But it was in, in it was in the terms of just like how uncomfortable some like a physical action is. Imagine just you just decided, you know what, today? I'm going to eat my cereal with my left hand. Just Oh, just I would do I would spill milk everywhere. Or like, you know what? I would have to move really slow. I'm going to I'm going to handle my paperwork with my left hand today. Writing would no be hard. chance. Yeah, the writing part is why I I pause on the upper body cuz I'm like, man, if I need to write like <laughs> it's going to be impossible. But you could type, right? True. It's like like you can still do written things. It doesn't have to be with a pen yeah, and I a guess paper. So. Um but in in growing up with a left-handed brother myself, every left-handed person is to some extent ambidextrous because there are things that are just designed with the right-hand dominance in mind yeah. that we don't even think about. Like, well, I think they have an alternative, but like the uh, computer mouse is typically right-handed, but they and might mo- make but most ones. But most, they do, but most left, I mean, you can program any mouse to just put it in left-hand mode yeah. and the right-click becomes a left-click. But most left-handed people will use a right-handed computer yeah, mouse. They just learn it. They just do. Yeah. Yeah, there's little things like that. That's yeah, weird. But yeah, I'd rather be able to walk. 
Yes. Comfortably. Yes. Then. And if I needed to not. run away from something, I could <laughs> right. run away or yeah. run towards something. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you what, though. That first night after the surgery. Oh, man. Were you loopy? No, no. So, like, I didn't really sleep the night before because I did it first thing in the morning. Okay. Because we were there at, like, 5 in the morning, probably. So, I hadn't really slept a lot. They put me out. I did my Gus Edwards thing. Um, Because I'll always remember when the Ravens running back room got COVID. <laughs> it was this week last year. Because I had to pick up Gus Edwards in fantasy. And I had to tell Amber before I went into the knife. And I didn't realize it. But, so, they're... Wait, what was I talking about? You were talking about that first night after oh, yeah. surgery. Yeah, yeah. So it's super early. So I get up at like 11. I'm like, man, I had a good sleep. And I can't even feel my arm. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, you, you can't feel a thing. Wow. And like Amber's having to like lift my arm up so I can put it in the sling. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> like it's not, I can see it, but it's not right. there. I'm like, my arm is there. Is it there? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you have to look to see it. It was so awesome. But like when I woke up, I, I, I was aware of what was going on. Like yeah. I was... Fully, fully aware. We were driving home. I wasn't even really that tired, but then it started to wear off after about twelve hours. So that night, six, seven, was just brutal. Oh my god! And I don't react to pain meds well. Like they make me I don't so either. nauseous. Oh, dude! I the only time I was ever on what I would call serious pain meds was after I got my wisdom teeth out, mm-hmm. and I was throwing up for days. God. I just stopped taking them. I just I I I had probably half the prescription left. I just yes. stopped taking them. I, I took mine for maybe two or th- I think it was supposed to be every four hours or something, every six hours. I think I did two, maybe three sets of them. I was like, this is terrible because you have to eat with them. And I wasn't I couldn't hungry. keep it down. Well, I, I also wasn't hungry, you know, and at the time, like I couldn't really eat solid foods. I couldn't keep anything down. I I could keep it down because if I didn't eat, I wasn't going to keep it down. It was weird, but I also didn't want to eat because I didn't feel hungry. Yeah. So I was like forcing myself to eat some eggs or something. It was terrible. But yeah, that dude, I didn't sleep an ounce that night. At all? No. I could not go to sleep. Like I might have napped during the day. I don't really remember, but that seven o'clock hit. I feel like exhaustion would have gotten you at some point. No. The pain was so intense. Even with the meds, it was so intense. Couldn't sleep. I don't think I really fell asleep until maybe eight in the morning. Like, I don't think I slept more than like 15 or 30 minutes at a time. Wow. It was just constantly up in pain. I'm like trying to like kind of move around a little bit just to maybe shake it off. I don't even know what I'm trying to do. Like, I'm like, God, this hurts so bad. But after that first night was cool. Like the second day was fine. Didn't really bother me that much i just had to make sure i didn't like push off on it oh yeah yeah like one time i was trying to maneuver on the couch and you just you just you go to brace yourself and and i didn't even touch my arm on anything i tried to like prop myself up with my legs or like maybe even my right elbow and i don't know if i just moved my arm up too fast or or actually moved it up i'm getting uncomfortable just hearing you talk about it it. was the sharpest pain it was very short yeah but it was the sharpest pain ever ever okay so that reminds me of an experience i had a cavity when i was like six years old because one of my teeth just didn't have the natural protection it just didn't have the enamel on it so when i was six i had a a root canal Mm -hmm. i had to get a second root canal on that same tooth you know when the adult teeth came in yeah um that uh there was one moment during the procedure and you gotta you know keep in mind like there's a hole in my tooth he's actively drilling into it for a split second 
everything in my body just convulsed and i was like Ugh! yes and he just like stopped pulled out was just staring like oh my god and i and then i was like perfectly calm it was it was for like two tenths of a second interesting and then it like i just immediately relaxed and i looked at him and he kind of was like you know like like the rock raises one eyebrow yeah. he's just looking at me and i'm like he clearly had never seen that before yeah and so like what he did is like he gave it a couple of minutes just kind of let it sit and i was i was giving him the nod i'm like hey i'm okay i'm okay and he went back at it never had an issue the rest of it it was i don't know what it is but for a split second the the numbing just wore off and then just came right back i don't know if he hit like the right nerve that didn't get numbed Oh, that that is the most intense pain I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, when I was getting my IVs and they were numbing my arm or whatever they were doing, I don't even know because I wasn't coherent. Yeah, apparently I was convulsing, but it was like a natural reaction to whatever they were doing. Like, yeah, that's pretty common. But like, I was like twitching or something. I don't even know how to explain it. Was yeah, some sort of twitch. Dude, I twitch without IVs. I just like sometimes I just twitch. Yeah, Amber said it was like so scary, but they were like, no, it's normal, it's normal. So. (laughs) <laughs> it's like all right whatever i don't know i wasn't awake right whatever <laughs> out of sight out of consciousness out of mind yeah, right? i can't feel my arm but i'll feel it in 12 hours oh man no kidding <laughs> you know yeah. i am thankful because i had the i was recommended but i had the choice to have surgery on my broken hand mm-hmm. and i'm thankful i didn't do it um i i do feel like the hand would be a little bit stronger had i done the surgery yeah uh you know because Without the surgery, I'm only ever going to be like 95% of what I ever could have been, uh, just in terms of the hand strength. But that's still, but good. but yeah, but it's fine, you know, because I'm I'm a I'm a pretty strong guy ish, right? Like I had I had a higher baseline than most people. We'll just mm-hmm. say it that way. And so like I I can do everything I want to do without really thinking about it. Uh, but I'm glad I didn't have the surgery because I feel like the natural recovery process would it just it felt to me to be. I mean, organic is kind of a weird word, but like it just, it felt better. Even though I never experienced the surgery, I've heard the stories mm-hmm. and I've heard about surgeries that the surgery itself was successful, but then the recovery didn't happen, you know, like right. the way that, or it took too long or longer than expected. Yeah. And so like, I'm just, I'm glad that I had the option to just choose to avoid that. And I feel like I made the right choice. I feel like in my situation, I did the opposite. I was like, it might take longer to recover on its own if yeah. it does. Because that's kind of what they told me. They were like, well, if it does heal on its own, it could take longer. And he was very 50-50 on it being surgery or not. And I was like, man, I don't know. Those bones are overlapping pretty good. Because if they were closer together, I probably wouldn't have done it because they could have just healed naturally. Yeah. But when he, he said afterwards, when he, when he got in there, he's like, that was the right decision. To get the surgery? Yeah. Because... The tips had kind of um, smashed, and they were like, yeah, you know, pretty much destroyed the tips of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were overlapping so much, so they basically just pull them apart and put them side by side again. And yeah, so it was 100% the right choice because I was fine within two months rather than... He said it might have been a year. Yeah. Well, hey. If at all. My recovery time was just over two months for, yeah. my, for my fracture, and... It, it happened on the field that made a diving attempt at a ball that I had originally caught, but then when, you know, the yeah. glove snapped my finger back, I had a spiral fracture of the fourth metatarsal and the bone had completely severed and turned mm. my finger entirely sideways. Mm. And I set it 
right then and there on the field. I set it back into place, forced my hand into a fist. And like if I had done that with any less accuracy, I would have had to get surgery. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I happened to in that moment, I took it, I put it back where it should have been. <laughs> and like, the, and that was the one thing that the hand specialist that I went to was, was, was telling me is he's like, I, I can't believe looking at the fracture now, I can't believe it didn't break the skin. Mm-hmm. Can't believe that my, you know, the, the bone, because it was so sharp and the, and the break was so clean. It just, it snapped. It could have pierced the skin. It just snapped. It, and, and with how much it ro- it rotated over 90 degrees. Oof. My ring finger was facing down to the side of my hand. It's gross. Like behind my pinky. And so like with how much it, it, it snapped, it rotated, how violent the break was, how quick it was, he couldn't believe that it didn't break the skin. Yeah. Could have been a Kevin Ware so, moment on your hand. I mean, no kidding. And so like I'm... I, you know, I consider myself to be extremely lucky, very thankful that I had the options that I had, that I was as lucky as I had, or as lucky as I was, I should say. And then it was it was stupid dumb luck that I said it right. Right. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought it was dislocated because I couldn't feel any pain in the moment. Yeah. And so I thought I had just like dislocated it at the knuckle. And so I just like grabbed it and I put it back and I was like, well, it still works. So I just went back and I kept playing. I wonder if that's how most broken bones feel because I didn't feel any pain either. It felt kind of... It's just, it's the shock in that moment because yeah. when I kept playing for the next hour, then I was like, oh my God, yeah. I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even hold a bat, let alone grip it. Yeah, and for sure. Like it just, yeah. And then by the time I got home, I remember walking in the house and I was telling my mom, I'm like, you know what? I think I broke my hand. And I was just so casual about it that she's like, there's no way. There's no way. Yep. You know, and I was showing her and like, I wasn't moving it. And yeah. I was I was holding it against my chest, pretty much in just a resting position, for like two or three days, and then finally the bruising showed because it was so deep, and like you know my entire hand just turned black and blue. And she's like, "All right, we should probably get that checked out." I'm like, "Yeah, thank you." <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to believe it either. And then we're just sitting in the ER, and dude takes an X-ray. And well, I remember Larry Tob <sighs> was physically examining you on the field. Yeah, and he turned around and was like, "I don't think it's good." Because yeah, I mean, wasn't. you basically you you like you couldn't move the 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 left arm. Like you could move the shoulder a little bit. Yeah, it was it was weird because sometimes I would move it in the same direction, and one time I wouldn't feel anything, and then the next time I would. Hmm. So I was like, man, it, I didn't know if I like sprained my shoulder because it it felt like somebody had punched me in the shoulder. Okay, and I was like, oh, maybe because that is where you hit the ground, right? I was like, maybe it's that AC joint or something. Yeah, and I was like. Oh. You know, if that's it, that's fine. Like, I don't throw with this arm anyway. I was ready to play. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then I, and then like 10 minutes later, I was like, yeah, this hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, this sucks. And then, uh, and then the x-ray was taken. Amber walked around the huge machine that they brought over. It's like wheeled around. I didn't even go like in a room. Okay. They brought this machine to me. Okay. And she walked around to look at it. And she's like, yep, that's broken. <laughs> it was like, you didn't need to be a doctor to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, one more oh. thing for both of us to be thankful for. That we had successful recoveries. The injuries could have been worse. Boom. The recoveries could have gone worse. So, yeah, one more thing to be thankful for this season. So, I guess as we start to sign off here, you know, just keep in mind, what are you thankful for? Yep. This time every year, man. And the food tomorrow. And Dude. the football. Good food, hopefully. Oh yeah, I got sure. my I got my fingers crossed. Yeah. Not every Thanksgiving, not every side dish deserves to be there. I'm just saying. 
it, you know what? It doesn't, you don't have to put everything on your plate. Hey, Matthew Judon <laughs> tweeted out that the mac and cheese can go. He said it's just cheese and pasta. Get it out of here. You know what? If you want mac and cheese, you go for the mac and cheese. I don't have a problem with the mac and cheese. So you're saying personal choice. Just, yeah. If, you it's, know if it's there, grab some. If it's there and you don't want it, you know what? You don't want it. Just because okay. there's cranberry sauce there doesn't mean you got to grab it. True. I, I do I feel like cranberry sauce and stuffing are like the they're like the staples. Yeah. That might well, stuffing is pretty popular. I don't know if cranberry sauce is that popular. No? I just well and, and the thing but is it's like, always there. The only time that my family has ever had cranberry sauce right. was for Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. That's the only time you ever really see it. It's probably the same with turkey. Like who who's just going out and getting a big turkey? You see, and we don't even do turkey every year. What do y'all do? We typically do like big spiral hams or like some oh, Cornish okay. hens. We've never really done the whole turkey thing. Mm, interesting. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Maybe that's a tradition that I'll start with my future family that I'm never going to have. <laughs> is we'll, we My future fake family, we're, we eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Maybe, you know, y'all could do turkey to change it up. <laughs> yes, exactly. One year we'll just yeah. be like, huh. Let's go conventional for a year, but it's unconventional. For us. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Little little change up. Like it. Good show today, man. All right. We got Thanksgiving tomorrow, some Cowboys, some Lions. Oh, I'll be watching football. Dude, I, I'm, I'm actually now intrigued for the first game because I want to find out if Matt Nagy gets canned. Gets the axe. <laughs> that that news might break before the Raiders game Cowboys even play. Yeah. Before the kickoff. I oh, can't wait. Can't wait. So we'll see you next week. See y'all.